0: I think of three things. Smashing, bashing, and trash. Can walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death,
1: drug use, and columbine-like behavior, I can say <laughs> thinking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies.
0: So, motherfuckers are always trying to be
1: scared. Take, take a
0: look around! Dodge this. And sh. Ooh. Uh, Shinkui, and welcome back to Take a Look. Oh, a- uh, no, I'm doing a Borat voice. Uh, Shinkui, welcome to Take a Look Around. <laughs> you are here with the rolling ball himself. Alastair Bates, and as always, we are joined at the hip, uh, and by the microphone cord, my partner in rollerballing,
1: Shawnee Campion. Shawnee, how are you going today, bud? I am fantastic, Al. How does it feel to be on your own like a rollerball? <gasps> <laughs> Uh, it's it's even better the
0: second time hearing it. Uh, uh, Sean and I were like trying to we look, we had a couple of technical snafus uh, just prior to recording this. my one of my cables is broken, and we tried to figure out this rolling stone bit. Uh, I think Bob Dylan came first, then the band and then the magazine and then rollerball. so uh
1: you know. Normally, we wait a minute or two before we absolutely just spam the shit out of the name of the movie, don't we? <laughs> you
0: know, with the movie we're talking about, uh, there's not a whole lot to really talk about the movie itself. <laughs> but, uh, you know what? There is a lot to talk about in Take
1: a Look Around Land. Sean, should we get plug-in? We got plug-in. Uh, if you're listening to this and you ordered a shirt, they went out today. Thank you very much for all of our loyal lookheads that bought one, they are absolutely gorgeous. I'm wearing one right now. Uh, yep. I'm not actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I know this isn't like a video medium, but I just couldn't go on with the lie. It was, <laughs> it was crushing me from the inside.
0: Five dollars extra. Sean will wear the t-shirt before he sends it to you. <laughs>
1: We still do have a few sizes left, supplies are limited though, we'll be doing another mail out run next week, so please, if you were umming and ahhing, um and ah no more, ug your way to a shirt. (laughs) Exactly, you will not regret your wise financial decision. (laughs) Al, the movie we're talking about, which we've already talked about, we've just blab, 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 the movie is Rollerball from 2002. Now, this movie holds a special place in my heart because uh, watching trailers while drunk one night for films of this era and seeing the trailer for Rollerball made me realize the whole theme of this podcast. The trailer for Rollerball was what prompted me to start this this podcast entirely.
0: Wow, so this, this is the genesis. This is... Uh the the egg i guess the roller egg this is what we hatched from
1: i think it's weird that we've taken this long to cover this film probably just because while it is 1000% a new metal movie this movie is possibly the most new metal movie more so even than triple x uh, yeah. more so than Queen of the Damned, more so than Mission Impossible 2, more so than any movie that has come beforehand, this movie is a new metal movie. But this is a new metal movie that nobody has seen for a very good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I think I think this actually, I don't want to jump ahead to reviews, but I think this might be the lowest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes that we've watched to this point.
1: Yeah, I I guarantee it. This has a whopping 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. While researching the film, uh, I read that LL Cool J did an appearance on Conan O'Brien to uh, support the film's release and just broke down. He couldn't find a way to come up with anything good to say about the film that he was in. Should we get stuck
0: into the movie, Sean?
1: Let's play the trailer
0: Rollerball
1: from 2002.
0: Wasting your life. The break you need is right here. If you make the team, pow! It's time to play Rollerball! It's the world's number one phenomenon. I created a sport that you could thrive in. And three players ruled the game. I told you, it's the promised land.
1: or three. One, two, three. Ah! Jonathan Cross, leading scorer. You gotta catch me first. Offense, go, go! Aurora, the Black Widow. Just get out of my way. Marvis Ridley, hardcore.
0: We played.
1: We win. Come on. He's the angriest man in the game. Now <laughs> yeah, we will
0: all get big bonuses. Thanks to Jonathan and to Billy.
1: Jonathan, they knew. What are you talking about? Here, look. One camera follows the action and four cameras follow Toba 15 seconds before it happened.
0: Nothing goes on in this place without you knowing it. Oof. No. It was only a matter of time before one of these creeps realized that their take would go up as soon as they got a little blood on the track. The world's most dangerous game. Have you thought about the gun? People disappear all the time. Will become deadly. And the only chance they have. What's
1: it gonna be? Us or them?
0: Is to fight back.
1: Get out of the car! They're going to kill you!
0: We deal with this on the track ourselves. He's maybe getting out of hand. Maybe we should cool the whole thing off. No. Rollerball. Let's
1: play the game.
0: Like this film is highly confusing for me from the jump. I guess kind of like Triple X there is this bizarre forced extreme sports montage where uh, our hero, what's his name
1: again? John it, Jonathan Cross played by yeah. Look, if you're if the year is 2000, this film took 2 years to actually see release and we'll get into that why. A bit later, but the year is 2000. You're a studio executive, you're trying to find the next Keanu Reeves because Keanu Reeves has dropped out of your movie because of the mammoth success of The Matrix the year before. So you you're going through the stars of the time, you're trying to trying to gather together who could be the next big thing. Who is the next Brad Pitt? Who is the next Tom Cruise? What what blue-eyed white devil are we going to <laughs> vault into the echelons of capitalism? How about the suck me beautiful guy from American Pie?
0: Yes, that's right. Hollywood's
1: Chris <laughs> Klein. <laughs> Fucking hell! We've covered this guy once before during our early Patreon series on pop punk movies and his kind of bizarre little blip of a career, haven't we? Did we do? Um, we one did of the
0: American, American Pie pies pop punk movies. That's we right. Did. We yes, did. that's right.
1: And I fucking hated it. I think most likely. <laughs> so Chris Klein's career would be his really fantastic role in election where he's a supporting character uh another supporting role in american pie and then he's vaulted to a kind of a chance at superstardom with rollerball and fuck me dead if they wanted keanu reeves in the matrix they got keanu Keanu reeves Reeves and bill and ted (laughs) <laughs> fucking hell chris klein is dreadful in this he he takes 30 seconds to warm up to do his lines i honestly feel like it was like he just
0: did what he could with this uh look he 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 is just playing a uh a fucking doofus i think once again they they don't actually ever really explain anything that happens in this movie uh much like extreme sports where he is unexplainedly going down
1: he what what tombstoning or tobogganing down a hill real fast? Luging. It's a downhill Luging. luge in San Francisco where he's just wearing a pair of jeans, Converse All Stars, and a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's badass. He's badass. Uh he seemingly is it's it's hard to tell what the race even is, the like Guy, the referee at the start says, if the cops pick you up, you're on your own. It's it's not really entirely obvious what's going on or why it's happening. And then suddenly Marcus Ridley, played by LL Cool J appears out of nowhere in a Porsche Carrero (laughs) to just like rip him off the side of the street. Jonathan and Marcus
0: are supposed to be high school friends, where which is (laughs) would would be believable if LL Cool J wasn't like 15 years older than Chris
1: Klein by this point. uh, I would Uh, say even older than that. I would say he's old enough to be Chris Klein's dad in this movie.
0: A lot of things in this film
1: don't make sense, which
0: is it's such a blink and you will miss fucking anything that
1: happens in this movie the patter between LL Cool J and Chris Klein during this scene is fucking phenomenal where LL Cool J tries to recruit Chris Klein into the human cockfighting sport of rollerball as Chris Klein puts it because he's fouled out of the NFL draft and he's just waiting for the NHL drafts to get started as if it's yeah, as easy as just walking onto a court and being like yeah
0: I'm here for the NHL draft and that's the other thing too like I, I with with the Marcus character they don't re, do they ever explain aside from high school how they're both Athletes that can compete on a professional level. Like they make it very clear that Marcus is an accountant and has like three or four kids <laughs> at home. <laughs> so Marcus, Marcus talks to Jonathan. Fuck, this
1: movie's so stupid.
0: <laughs> they talk to each other in the car, catch up, and all this shit. And uh, you know, noticing that Jonathan's down on his luck, Marcus. Uh, tries to bend his friend's arm into coming all the way to the beautiful glorious nation of Kazakhstan to compete in a amazing battle royale a little sport we call rollerball which it's kind of once again doesn't get explained what any of the rules like next thing we know they're playing rollerball no
1: explanation of the rules there's like kind of the the simplest explanation of the rules is divvied out to us by an extremely hungover and horny man who it took me a second to realize is Paul Heyman, uh, founder and creative director of ECW Wrestling. All right. Okay. He was great. I think he was my favorite in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Easily the best part of the movie is the fact that it's basically narrated by Paul Heyman. One of the greatest like sportscasters of the 90s, hands down. Uh on top of like on, on top of this, we basically get like the thinnest explanation of rollerball, which is that you have to go round the course twice and then throw a metal ball at a giant gong <laughs> to score. Yeah. And then we are off to the races in what I guess can only be described as a combination of motocross, roller derby uh hockey like full contact hockey and the ufc maybe <gasps> yeah i don't know and don't forget it's also uh a mixed sport
0: uh so women and men can play together which i think is beautiful sean i think you've neglected to talk about the most important part of the sport uh for some reason ll cool j
1: rides around on a motorbike in the field <laughs> And it's not even like a a sports motorcycle. He's riding like a full hog Harley Davidson. Yeah, up and road down bike, walls. which is
0: brought up later. Uh, it's kind of explained that this sport is, I guess, the lifeblood of uh, post-colonial, uh, post-USSR, post,
1: post-Cold War. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like
0: it's the lifeblood of Kazakhstan. People spend all day in the mines.
1: Yeah, like it's it it's this sport that is extremely popular amongst all of these like former USSR mm. states like we jump between Azerbaijan, Mongolia and Kazakhstan throughout the film where the like do you remember this era like especially in like the Pierce Brosnan mm. yeah, uh, James yeah. Bond films and Triple X like how places like Crimea and Lithuania and Latvia were just these kind of these like post-taxation backdrops for action films. Totally. And
0: I mean, especially with Triple X, I mean, with the Pierce Brosnan bonds, but like with triple, even with X, like the villain was a uh, former KGB uh, agent who was using the downfall of uh, the USSR, which, you know, when you think about it, it was only 10 years prior but it's so fucking alien now that uh you know it's been it's been more than 20 years since Triple X came out so that happened 30 years ago it it's it's a very weird setting for films when you think about it as like
1: this wild west but in not to get all hyper-normalization, but it it is really like a hauntological space isn't it like yeah, it was yeah, a, a time and a place that no longer exists anymore <gasps>
0: yeah 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 it's it's very um i guess it's also like this film was made maybe pre nine eleven too so i i think i feel like maybe it's like one of the last big like triple x as well like one of the last really kind of big action films where the soviets quote unquote or the the eastern euros are, are the bad guys still before we get the um you know extremist uh, islamist kind of anonymous fa- fanaticist trope of a bad guy
1: absolutely and let's talk about the bad guys for a second <laughs> yeah. because the bad guy in this is phenomenal we get gene reno Hot off the heel, actually not hot off the heels at all. When was Leon the Professional in Mission Impossible? Uh, 95, 96? Yeah, yeah, 95,
0: 96. Maybe Godzilla was the, the most, was the connective tissue in between. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Man, I used to just think that Gene Renault was in every movie when yeah, I was a kid. Like, totally. he was like, he, he, he did kid stuff. Like, he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. F- you know, fucking around. But in this, this is not a kiddie role for him because cocaine is just pouring out of his nose.
0: Yeah, I would describe his portrayal as evil Borat. Like, he's just like (laughs) this this evil Kazakhstan sports mogul who is like purposely injuring his players just for the spectacle and just so he can make his money. Um, And because the sport I would
1: say uh, like... Maybe, like, if Jimmy Fallon was an evil villain, it would be Gene Reno in this. He's just got that excitable kid energy. He's just like, violence, 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 more, more, more. Just pulling guns on people. Just, like, and screaming at the top of his lungs.
0: And it's that classic scumbag bad guy where it's like, I'm just giving the people what they want. And I'm profiteering off it. <laughs> <It's>
1: just... <laughs> He's losing his
0: mind, yeah. and I'm
1: reaping all the benefits.
0: So I don't really understand what the conflict of this film actually is.
1: That that was the whole. Basically, like the the conflict happens very quickly into the actual film, and very quickly itself does it actually happen. We get a member of Jonathan and Marcus's um, team. Uh, a very low IQ individual gets murdered during an actual game by an opposing team member. And at the after party, it's revealed to uh, Jonathan, Chris Klein's character, who they must say Jonathan about 10,000 times oh, in this yeah. film, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. By uh, UFC heartthrob Oleg Tatarov um, reveals to him that the helmet of this low IQ individual who was murdered... Uh, was actually the strap was cut, and that they seem to think that this is some kind of big conspiracy on the part of the owners to murder the rollerballers, which d- once again doesn't doesn't make sense. I don't know,
0: and why are they going to an after party after their team member has been murdered? <laughs> <It's>,
1: <laughs> this film is incomprehensibly edited like it just from scenes car crash together it is Mm. so muddled you can barely understand i think i texted you around this point saying this is awesome this is the noisiest movie i have ever seen yeah it's it,
0: it 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 is new metal and an extreme film in the sense that like it is something that is smashed together that it's just too fast for you to know what's actually fucking happening
1: um and it's all soundtrack by boom by pod it's awesome yeah yeah Uh, um and what's the uh,
0: uh, so with jonathan he falls in love i think with rebecca roman starjan's character who's supposed to be this fucked up scarred chick who literally just has like a scratch on her face uh the only time that there's any any kind of hint of attraction between them is when he walks into the gym and she's lifting weights without a shirt on <laughs> and all of a sudden she just <laughs> smashes him up against the wall and be- like the, they're in the bone zone but like i don't all of a sudden after they fuck the whole of Kazakhstan starts rioting and and it turns out it, is it because of the sport or i it's
1: very it's very muddled. Well, it feels like this was originally a 2-hour film that was edited down to a 90-minute film and the uh, this is a remake of a 1975 film which we'll get into a bit in production, but it was very much like a social critique of capitalism and there is the th- thinnest sense of that on the margins of this film this like almost like hideo kojima style approach to an extreme blood sport being profited on by media moguls while the actual athletes themselves make a pittance Mm. Uh, but none of that is communicated in the final cut of this film it's just inconceivable what's going on like all of Kazakhstan falls to shit suddenly the uh suddenly Marcus Ridley and Chris Klein are on the uh, on the run in what is the most inconceivable possible choice in this film where so from what I can read the dailies all came back too dark and they didn't have enough money to reshoot. So 12 whole minutes of this film is set with a night vision filter on it. And this is not like a, a, this is not like um, some kind of like forced perspective. uh, What's the word? Forced perspective POV thing where we're all looking through night vision goggles no, not at all. They've just slapped green over the top of <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they've turned the gamma up
0: and then just covered it by making everything green. It's uh, and and yeah, I was reading how with that scene, half of that was reshoots anyway, where they just had to like film some of the car stuff in America. What a lot of this does film, a lot of this does film, a lot of this film does feel like reshoots, There is... There are large amounts of scenes of the exposition where nobody is in the same room. Uh, or there are just scenes where it, uh, you know, there's no logical reason for these characters to be doing what they're doing. It's very, it's, I don't know. It's, it, and this all kind of culminates with, um, LL, not LL, with Marcus and Jonathan. Uh, they, they escape over the border into Uzbekistan where, uh, but, uh, Jonathan goes back to rescue. I can't even reme- remember what
1: LL Cool J gets killed by a sniper rifle, uh, which was shot at him by the guy that played Magneto in the X Men animated series. That's crazy. <laughs> Fuck. I don't. Re- I. Uh, the way LL Cool J's death happens is it's literally from the perspective of the sniper rifle and there's never any follow-up. No one even talks about LL Cool J for the rest of the whole film. Yeah. Yeah. There's one
0: reference where it's like, Oh, he's, uh, he,
1: he was very
0: unwell today and couldn't come and play rollerball. Uh, but I, <laughs> I don't, I, I really struggle to like,
1: remember what happened after this part of the film. I, um, They all go back to Rollerball and suddenly not only do the people in the audience decide that Rollerball is fake and their lives are meaningless, so they just start ranting and chanting Jonathan's name at the (laughs) top of their lungs.
0: Yeah, it sounds like the fucking Borg just being like, Jonathan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just evil (laughs) robots. Jonathan Cross goes like head to head with the biggest guy on the opposing team and then he decides instead of scoring the final goal he's gonna like kill gene reno and the guy from lost (laughs) is the other bad guy who's just kind of been like lurking around the, the like margins of the film the whole time whispering in people's ears weird movie man it doesn't even end weird movie (laughs) just yeah it just (laughs) i had to go back and check to see if that was the end because rebecca roman like puts him in the back of a truck and says we're gonna go to a party and then if you're still feeling okay we can go back to my house credits (laughs) (laughs) smash cut
0: credits directed by john what the fuck was he
1: what was this movie
0: yeah, I don- honestly don't know. We were trying to look at uh, a quick summary before recording, and everything we saw just summarizes the film in maybe two, three sentence paragraphs. It's-, <laughs> 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 it's so light on absolutely everything. It's insane. Look, you know what else is insane? I guess the production of this film and the aftermath of that. Sean, should we should we delve into production? Let's-
1: Let's talk about it. So, completely inexplicably, this film is directed by John McTiernan. Now, if that name doesn't jump out at you, his work will, because once upon a time, John McTiernan was the biggest thing in Hollywood. He had what can only be described as like one of those golden runs of, Films that every director would just dream of. You start with Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October. That is probably the greatest triplicate you could get, isn't it, Al?
0: Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Like those, especially. I mean, Predator and Die Hard are. You know, it's it's impossible to to state the influence that those films had on the action film genre. I mean, even now, people still fucking watch Die Hard for Christmas, man. Uh, <laughs> like, it's it's the film that made Bruce Willis a Hollywood star. Like, before that, he was just some fucking Joe Schmo on TV.
1: Yeah, and, like, The Predator is such a figure in popular mm. culture and that it is, after one film, it was able to cement itself, like up there with the ranks of every other science fiction character of all time. Yeah. Like it's an predator, iconic monster. Just saying the word. Yeah. Predator just conjures up the predator when you say the word. Totally. And hunt for red October has Sam Neill doing a Russian accent. It's a great movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Now, things were not looking particularly great for John McTiernan in in the second half of the 90s. Uh, Last Action Hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger was famous for being a flub. After that, uh, The 13th Warrior with Antonio Banderas was taken off his hands by screenwriter and producer Michael Crichton. So by the time we got around to Rollerball... He was kind of at odds with the production side of Hollywood. Because this film was the film that it is, it's no doubt that it had a troubled production. And troubled production, it had. Mm. Uh, Supposedly, McTiernan and producer Charles Roven were at complete odds with each other the entire way through the film to the point that john McTiernan and hired a corrupt private investigator by the name of anthony pelicano to investigate charles Roven's activities and find out if he was purposefully tanking the film which from what i understand i mean maybe
0: but also like don't hire a private investigator ever like there's no you're not a there's no heroes. W- in this tale <laughs> like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of the things that they were butting heads over included uh this film was supposed to originally be a hard r film um there are moments of like i guess pg-13-ness where there's the odd booby hanging out but uh aside from that uh from what i understand i was reading harry Knowles from ain't it cool news so he was uh giving constant updates about this film and saying uh he he went from being like this film sucks but at least it's super violent and a hard r18 to like this film still sucks now it makes less sense and it's a pg-13 movie (laughs) uh and yeah this was all because rovan and mcteenan were just banging heads about what this movie was supposed to be Uh, as you said sean the private investigator was called and what happened after this
1: sean So, Anthony Pelicano was taken down by the FBI in the early 2000s. It was originally a really big deal in the media landscape, uh colloquially referred to as the pelicano brief yeah where um basically pretty good pun to be honest um where basically um the justice department was claiming that even the biggest stars in hollywood would be brought down quoting the likes of tom cruise and michael jackson Uh, This would not be the case, as only a few people would really go down, none of them having any real connection to any upper echelons of Hollywood. And the case kind of fizzled out until 2006, when after getting back from Thailand, high as shit on pain meds after surgery, and completely jet-lagged, John McTiernan would get a phone call from an FBI agent asking if he ever hired Uh, asking if he ever hired a private investigator. His response was no and then hung up the (laughs) phone immediately (laughs) to which he was charged with perjury and his life completely fucking unraveled as it was revealed that this man cared so much about the film that Al and I just glossed over completely (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that he went to prison and was bankrupted. Al, would you go to prison for rollerball?
0: I don't think I'd go to prison for rollerball, Sean. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's absolutely Al
1: uh, Al, Al a- a- Ask me if I'd go to prison for rollerball. Sean, would you go to
0: prison for rollerball? No. <laughs> <laughs> it it's it's pretty crazy. From um, reading a bit more on that case as well, it seemed like the district attorney was this. There's this whole backstory and theory that potentially he was out to get John McTiernan because this guy was a Juilliard trained actor who was a part of a stable that McTiernan would audition for every kind of movie. And apparently, McTiernan refused to give him a role in Hunt for Red October. So it's speculated that the district attorney was just taking out his grudge. On uh, on McTiernan, uh, Alec Baldwin. I love that has so kind much. of been an advocate. <laughs> like, if Alec Baldwin is your advocate and on your side, like you've already lost. <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah, you've done something bad. <laughs> he's the bad guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, it's crazy. Like the way that all these celebrity people gathered around McTiernan and were like, "This is horrible." When you read about the prison he was in, being you know one of the 10th mo- most luxurious
1: prisons in the world <laughs> and like his wife said he lost 30 ki- you and like the guy from Enron being like it's my turn to play the ps2 today <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly his wife <laughs> talked about how he lost 30
0: pounds or oh, 30 kilos in prison and it's just like he was in there for a year and lost his hey, away. But he, like
1: that actually sounds good. Yeah, he sli- <laughs> yeah, he slimmed down to ninety kilos or something. It's like that's all advisable for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. It's 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 wild. Oh dear. Al, have you ever seen the original film that this is based on? Uh, by Norman Jewison. That's a real name. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you hate crime. Um, no, I haven't. I've never seen James <laughs> Kahn's Rollerball. It is it's funny that they thought fantastic. That Chris, Chris Klein was uh, an adequate enough replacement for James Kahn. Like, you know, Jewish know. Superman versus the most dorky fucking white guy in the
1: world. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's really worth watching. Uh it's like all of the like social critique of like sports under capitalism that kind of exists in the very fuzzy margins of this film is like front mm-hmm. and center for it. It's got probably like the best ending of any film from the 70s, I would say. Like it's it's really worth watching in a way that it, for every Walk, don't run from Rollerball 2002 to go see Rollerball 1975. Yeah, roll, don't run. That would be
0: more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the Let's soundtrack? Let's talk soundtrack. Yeah.
1: Hell Yeah. So this film opens up with "Boom" by POD, which is probably my favorite new metal song of all time. So I'm already there for it, baby. And then on top of that, we've got um, uh, we get like the ring girl for the film is Pink pre stardom. I did not notice that. I I saw that she was
0: listed She's in on the all credits, the billboards like,
1: and stuff. Fuck, man, that missed me. I'm just. <laughs> When did Pink get started? It feels like she's been here forever.
0: Uh, late nineties, so she was originally an R&B artist on like LaFace Records, which is the uh, L.A. Oh, Reed, you're, who no was shit. The um, kind of like the down south. That's Babyface, right? Yeah. So part of that stable, and like L.A. Reid signed Outkast and kind of made a lot of southern rap popular and stuff. But he. Pink was originally, I guess, kind of the vanilla ice, the the, the white canary down the mine, who um, I think struggled in the early noughties until they kind of changed their image and got with Linda Perry and became the badass tattered rock chick rather than just some weird chick with pink hair. Truly one of
1: the worst fucking musicians of all time. <laughs> yeah, like... I. It cannot be overstated how obnoxious pink is. I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but Al, are you familiar with the pink belt? I am, just because I know we have
0: not on, I'm not sure if it's on the podcast. I know you, Phoebe, and I have talked about it in depth and how it's just like an actual thing in Australia that every... Once you go out of every metropolitan region, you're surrounded by, like, a ring of pink fans.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, listener, if you are looking for a fun road trip to do and are not locked down... then try driving for 40 minutes outside of any major metropolitan Australian city and then tell me what all of the women age between 30 to 45 look like. Yeah, it's crazy. I I, I used
0: to be a carer... The pink belt is real. I used to be a carer for a kid who's... You know, I remember walking into the house and being like, oh, I bet this lady likes pink. And then walking into their living room and she (laughs) had this giant framed pink poster with, like, all of these framed signed pink tickets. And it was just like, yep, you know one when you see one. And that's that's what you will, that's what will happen, guys. It's crazy that she went from rollerball to... Being, I think she's like still one of the most profitable touring artists currently touring at the moment. She sell, so, and I, I thought she was
1: just big in Australia, she did but she's six huge. shows in every. She did six shows in every Australian city and sold them out. Like it's wild, right? Sold out everywhere in Australia. It's it's mental to think. Totally uh, cool. Along for the ride, we also have new metal heartthrob Slipknot, who literally had one of their concerts taped and then were green screened into the film <laughs> so weird i can't even remember if there is a slipknot song on
0: the soundtrack aside from them just showing up inexplicably in the film
1: yeah like it's it, it's really weird there's um apparently the original score for this film was by BT of stealth and triple x and fast and the furious fame but it was just it, it was thrown aside by the filmmakers who claimed it was too Arabic. That's not very nice. I guess this was like that's yeah that's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. But I'm assuming this was. Do you remember? Like uh, we haven't really talked about this too much. We will get into it on the some kind of monster episode. But the Clear Channel ban that kind of killed new metal after 2001 where yeah, in the yeah, wake yeah. of um, 9-11, all of these musical artists were denied radio play due to the fact that their image was presented as being uh, too aligned yeah, with fanaticism yeah, yeah. or, or, or um, kind of reminding America of Yeah, or even just like happened.
0: any kind of quote-unquote non-mainstream or just refusing to kind of quote unquote again, conform to a conservative American values. Like all of Rage Against the Machine was taken off terrestrial radio. Probably a good thing. Uh, And just stuff like that. Like any kind of alt rock that had a weird, and once again, like with the nineties rehashing a lot of '60s stuff, like hokey fucking sitar sounding guitars kind of came back in, in Vogue with a lot of like alt metal, uh, like alt rocky kind of bands, uh, exactly. Yeah, System so a lot of of the stuff down. that was kind mm. of n- not this homogenous white sounding goo, uh, just got banned from the radio. I think that is definitely something we'll kind of cover more.
1: It's great for <laughs> Creed or Live, but if you were Drowning Pool or System of a Down, it was not the not the best for you it did give us the rise of matchbox 20 <laughs> exactly. so you know yeah, yeah. it's not all bad Al. yeah the, <laughs> the radio shuts a door but max
0: rob thomas opens a window or something
1: <laughs> al i think it's time for points of authority so fuck critics. kiss our whole ass do you don't like the lyrics you can press fast forward very
0: minute it occurred to me the had so uh as per usual i think i feel like this segment is really just agree with ebert <laughs> 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 chicago sun times reviewer roger ebert called this film an incoherent mess a jumble of footage in search of plot without meaning rhythm or sense uh he he uh Roasted Chris Klein's ass, uh, calling him a bland action hero. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this film was a box office flop. Uh, the LA Times has listed it as, as it one a major of the most one? expensive. Oh, it was a major box office flop, baby. Worldwide, too. It is, I think, still considered one of the, the LA Times in 2015 said it was one of the most expensive flops of all time in cinema history. Um, it has, as we said at the fucking top of this, as an aggregate of 117 reviews, this film has 3% on Metacritic <laughs> and Rotten Tomatoes.
1: <laughs> Sean,
0: I ask you, do you agree with the points of authority on this?
1: Al, I believe the authority has it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I feel like we've definitely watched worse movies. And it, it, I was blown away but that it was a 3%. But,
1: like, upon reflection,
0: kind of sucked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was one of those text messages to you that I really regretted. <laughs> this is not awesome. This is a <laughs> complete <laughs> incoherent mess. <laughs> uh, let's take it to the bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor sure. <laughs> That's right. So, Sean, we've done
0: it all we need to do before we gotta leave, before we gotta roll a ball out of here, we gotta give this movie a bodies hit the floor shore score. Oh, fuck.
1: <laughs> we gotta give this film a bodies hit the floor score. Sean, what are you gonna give it? I'm giving this a whopping two bodies hitting the floor. Uh, I think that is the one body is for LL Cool J because he with this film <laughs> yeah, we yeah, still have another LL Cool J. Yeah, I think we still have another LL Cool J film to cover on this pod before it's all done and dusted. But th- right after mm. this film, it would mean that we he is now the most new metal actor alive. We've covered so many of his films. I I think he's clinched yeah. it. Yeah, I think
0: we're at 5 or 6 now. Um Sean, I'm going to have to give this probably the same. It's it's a 2. Boy is it a 2. You want to open a window after watching this movie. <laughs> but uh we've watched a lot worse. I'm still like I'm still as I said like confused but not confused about 3%. I feel like it's it's quite egregious. It is a bad movie. It is very confusing. I'm not richer after watching this. This film has had no impact on my life whatsoever, and it's it's wild that that's the case because the impact it had on the director's life, being federally 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 prosecuted for perjury, it's it's
1: insane to me. Tanking his career, his life, his in, his entire life was tanked. Because he cared so much about this film, it cannot be overstated how funny that is. (laughs) It's wild, right? And the 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 plus of I'm such a
0: sleaze bag that I had to hire a PI, and I'm super rich, but still going to Thailand to get operations done. It's just like you sound like a gross (laughs) dude, John McTannen.
1: His friends call him Um, (laughs) McTannen. mct baby
0: um in wrapping up sean i guess it's time for us to plug once again our amazing shirts printed on as color there are only a few Bow. left guys i'm telling you that they're gonna stop saying it's selling like hotcakes they're gonna start saying it's selling like take a look around sam mckenzie Event Horizon bootleg T-shirts because these <laughs> fuckers <laughs> are moving, man. Uh, you can find them at our, our cool e-commerce site. Uh, take a look around dot com, and as per usual, we will be posting some hot, cool new stuff uh, on our Instagram. I'm so like out of touch with. How to plug social media now? Just because I don't think I've done this part of the show in like <laughs> six months, maybe. <laughs> I will post. You will like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the serotonin feedback continues. Sean, what are we going to take this this episode out on?
1: Look, I think there's only one song that can really sum up just just what a mess this was, and I think it's I think it's a, about time we finished with New Metal Zone Pink with Get the Party Started. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. in. <laughs>